are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. Now, this week I'm talking about colour and psychology and I have artist Aaron Carve-Ossia here with me in the studio and very shortly he's going to be talking to me about the use of colour in his work. But I thought to give a little context to our interview with Aaron, I thought it'd be interesting to give a little brief lowdown on some of the psychological meanings behind the primary colours. So colour psychology is actually a thing. It is the study of how different hues affect human behaviour. Now, there are some really, really obvious ones that we probably know now, like red is often associated with passion, anger and love. And of course, we know that bulls hate it as well. But you may not know that colour actually does influence how we taste food, for starters, which I think is so interesting. And it can actually enhance the effect of some placebo drugs that we use in trial as well. But there is one thing to remember when we're talking about colour psychology, and that is that some of it is pseudoscience. But there is definitely effect that colour has on human psychology. And of course, this does differ, differ sorry, from person to person and depending on your gender, age and your cultural influence too. But I thought, nevertheless, it's quite fun to explore how such a basic thing as colour can change the way we experience the world. So let's start with red, because I thought that was a very, very obvious one to start with and it's of course associated with things such as energy, war, danger, strength, power and determination as well of course as passion and love but the science behind it is that red has the longest wavelength so therefore it actually has quite a strong physiological effect on us mere humans because it appears that it's actually closer to us than other colours so it grabs our attention because of this wavelength so therefore it's used for danger signs, things like traffic lights the tube stations and you know sexy red lipstick as well and as I said it actually does increase our metabolism and respiratory rate so that fight or flight response that we sometimes have that can be triggered very very slightly by the color red as well which actually makes us think that time is passing faster as well if you have red and orange tablets that can also increase a placebo effect because the stronger colour for us is associated mentally with it being a more powerful drug as well. As I said, strength and red are kind of synonymously linked as well. And in China, of course, it is representative of the fire element, which is, again, representative of good fortune and good luck and joy as well. Okay, we're moving on to blue, which is widely accepted as being the world's favourite colour, but also synonymous with things such as serenity and calmness and peace and trust. However, there's another side to blue, which is that because it's on the cooler spectrum, often can be associated with being unfriendly or even isolation as well. But unlike red, blue effects are not mentally, sorry, affects us mentally and not so much physically. And it can actually be used to kind of stimulate us in times where we need to sort of rely on our intellect to get us through, which is why a lot of exam halls in schools are often painted blue as well. It's It's a colour of the mind and it can be used to calm people as well. And I was thinking about this and I think because we see a lot of blue in nature naturally it doesn't feel abrasive or challenging to us it feels very sort of natural and kind of calm and and as I said it's it's wavelength is relatively short so 
it has that like element it's not challenging to us either now yellow is so interesting and i found that yellow seems obviously associated with being happy cheerful being extrovert potentially really warm as well and it is different to red which affects our physiology physiology sorry physiology <laughs> and blue which affects our mentality but yellow actually affects our emotional sense of being much more than other colors so like red has a very long wavelength too and so it's quite a powerful color but it can make us really, really happy with the right kind of yellow. But the wrong kind of yellow can actually induce fear, anxiety and even depression in some people. Of course, it does depend on age, gender. There are a few things in flux there. But I just thought that was fascinating how a colour can be so, so happy in one kind of aspect. and But the wrong kind, in quotes, uh, can really sort of trigger something quite dark in us as well. So... Of course, the colour psychology is used in this capitalist society that we are living in for marketing and branding. Now, people, the good people in a kind of corporate companies have assessed that we use colour in these ways and we actually respond to colours in these ways. So, of course, they've taken the reins on that and therefore certain products are certain colours. And it is said that between 60 and 90% of the decisions we make as a consumer are actually based on colour as well. And different buyers also respond to different colours too. But we are also making personal choices to surround ourselves with different colours in our dress and the way we interact with the world. So we do have some sort of control over the world we're living in and the psychological effect of those colours, whether or not Tesco's and Sainsbury's uh, are also doing it on our behalf. Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now and it is time for my interview with Aaron Carvey-Ossia who is joining me here in the studio. Hi Aaron. Hi there, you alright? I'm good, I hope you enjoyed my little rundown on uh, the, the, some of the science behind colour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you doing today, are you good? I'm not too bad, a bit windset, but all good. Yeah, I know, it's, it's very windy outside still, very hot, deceivingly hot, considering it's apparently snowing in the north right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, Aaron, so let's start from the beginning. How did you become an artist? And then we're going to talk a little bit about your use of colour in your work as well. Um, how did I become an artist? Well, um, I, um, at some point, decided to apply um, to study art. Um, I had, didn't have any sort of formal training before that point. Um, so I started back in Berlin um, in 2010. I uh, attended uh, Weissensee School of Art mm. um, uh, in fine art sculpture. And um, I um, came over to London for an um, Erasmus exchange uh, semester and completely fell in love with Chelsea College of Arts <laughs> and decided to sort of uh, transfer my studies to Chelsea College, which luckily happened, um, did fine arts um, at Chelsea College. And uh, yeah, and, um, and here, here I am. And here we are. Now, how many years yeah. ago was that? Um, I graduated in 2015. Amazing. Wow, awesome. I'm glad you decided to stay in London. There's a huge art scene in London as well, which, which we're very, very proud of. So, OK, obviously this is an audio platform and your work is very visual. So for the listeners, can you give a little brief kind of description of some of the work that you've been doing more recently? Um, well, if I just wanted to sort of introduce the work formally, I'd have to say I sort of um, go into the space that I'm exhibiting my work. It will be, it usually sort of uh, consists of... Um, uh, a play with a corner in a space. So I'd be painting um, a sort of two adjacent walls um, and the corner to sort of um, create an illusion that 
of, of the limits of where the one wall ends and where the other one starts, sort of playing mm -hmm. with, the, with those surfaces. Then I have um, kind of like a wood beams in different lengths, usually sort of two and a half meters and longer, which kind of have this, um, um, they act as like a support for the wall to, to stay in, in, in the pl space that it is. But um, at the same time, they're very sort of fragile elements themselves. But you have to sort of bear in mind that these wood beams are all sort of in different colors. Um, um, I usually use um, very sort of pastel colors, um, um, a weird mixture of which we're going to talk about later yeah, on. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're going to get into the color, don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> yeah. And then um, there's also always um, a very sort of painterly element to my installations. Um, so I'd have all those paintings sort of leaned against the wall on the floor, very sort of in a very informal way. I never sort of hang them up uh, on the mm. wall. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a mixture of surfaces, uh, space um, um, and a paint, painterly elements of, 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 um, of the work. So, so you do, you paint and it's an installation as well sometimes. Well, in, in some of your most recent work too. Yeah, I've, I think it's, I, I usually don't call myself a painter because I think all the paintings I do sort of um, serve a purpose within sure, the installation yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Okay. Mm. I, yeah, I, I've seen some of your work online too. You do, that yeah. was a very good description of it, I have to yeah. say. Um, okay, let's talk about colour. This, you know, the show mm. is... Um, centralized on color but you know we are going to talk about other things too but it plays quite a major uh, role in your work can you sort of talk us through that as well your relationship with color sure when i uh, first moved to london um at chelsea college of arts i and before that i was uh, mainly probably 100 percent always doing work that was sort of very much black and white very monochrome and uh, when i moved to london i think the first thing that really um um, attracted my attention was all the sort of industrial sites in London, um, mm. um, even sort of kind of like Victorian uh, bridges and, and hospitals, um, structures in general. Yeah, we've got, is it Tower Bridge? It's like slightly blue. It's like blue and yeah. white and red. Yeah, yeah I always yeah. think that's the coolest. Yeah. The coolest and bridge. Albert Bridge as well, I think. <laughs> I, I lived near Albert Bridge, so it was a, a sort of, a, a, it was very strange for me to see that these industrial sites have these really sort of interesting uh, domestic pastel colours and uh, mm. compare that to sort of, you know, where, where I was before, where everything was sort of grey and um, uh, black and white when it comes to in, uh, industrial sites. So yeah. that was something that really informed my work. But to, to be honest with you, to begin with, I think um, I was given a, a, a book uh, from Goethe on Theory of Colour by one of my tutors to just have a read because, you know, they found that my work is very <laughs> lacking in colour. <laughs> and uh, just I love that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that could have been, that could have gone a different way. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but sort of, you know, to paraf paraphrase what Goethe said, this is not my own opinion by the way just to clarify that yeah this um, needs clarification for sure i know what you're about to say right <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so goethe basically says that uncivilized nations uh, uneducated people and children southern europeans and especially women have a great fondness of colors and their utmost brightness um oh, I love sexism racism and misogyny is so <laughs> and, brilliant <laughs> yeah, and, and much more <laughs> yeah 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 there's so much to unpack yeah. there uh, so when i first read that quote uh, it really grabbed my attention and i and i um always sort of also was interested in um sort of taking on different identities and different roles within my practice and I thought well let's let's try and be an uncivilized uneducated southern European <laughs> woman for a day or two and uh, started sort of experimenting with um, these colors that had sort of really in uh, taken my interest in London and uh, and uh, yeah that's that's sort of how this experiment sort of took over my entire um, uh, practice uh, up until now so mm. so how was it going from sort of, sort of very monochrome work mm. to, to them working in color did you sort of find that it it sort of took on a new sense of itself was it was it a really difficult experience was it very natural for you well it was very um difficult um because um i always i think there was a part of me as well that um 
thought that, you know, um, color is just sort of like an element that you add on to something to sort of make it more, uh, quote unquote, beautiful. But um, mm. and sort of, you know, everything that, you know, philosophers think as architects, they always sort of work in very monochrome um, ways. Um, so it was it was a big challenge for me because it was more like a sort of poking fun at Goethe's theory just mm. f- just for a bit. And then it sort of, as I say, it kind of took over my my whole practice and I was a bit uncomfortable to begin with um, to sort of, you know, apply that into my work and how how does that relate to what I do and um, the background of my work so far. So Mm -hmm. it it was it was a big challenge to Mm. but but I'm, you know, at at this stage, I'm fully comfortable in it. But um, yeah, back back in the day was absolutely. And I think colour as well, I I don't know whether you agree with this, but I think it can be its own medium in itself because I think, you know, you can use colour to balance things in the same way that you would use other compositional elements. Um, You know, it works because certain colours, as I uh, sort of suggested, we respond in different ways to them. Mm. So, you know, you can use colour in in itself to sort of um, create something. Different colours really do sort of Mm. speak to the mind and and almost act, as I said, as a sort of geometry in a sense too, which which is interesting. And I remember you saying to me um, when we had a brief conversation before, you mentioned that a lot of people assume that the colours you use, um, that you are a female artist as well, which I thought was a really interesting um, assumption to make. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that was another interesting that came out of this um, this sort of um, accidental um, um, introduction of colour to my work, I would say, um, that, um, well, first of all, I, I, I'm, I found it interesting that you talked about colour as, as its own material. I think a lot of my work um, evolves around the idea of, of giving colour a, a sense of materiality, sort of using colour as a material rather than just a surface that you apply onto onto a, a, a given work. So, uh, so the wood beams that I was talking about earlier, mm. um, they are sort of for me, or even the canvas itself, the walls are all sort of carriers of color as material. Um, and um, um, uh, you know, I think um, um, the, the 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 thing that was very interesting for me as well, as I said, because I um, play around a lot with the question of identity in my work, very in a very sort of subtle, um, um, on on obvious, not not really obvious way. Um, I, I found it very interesting that uh, when people first saw these works, they kind of assumed that it must be a woman. So I, I don't know if they mm. were sort of agreeing with Goethe's theory or not. So, <laughs> uh, which, yeah, it's a dangerous, yeah, it's, it's, a, dangerous it's a dangerous game, isn't it? It really is, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah and, and I think during my uh, during my BA um, course in, in Chelsea as well, I, I, I had this sort of fa- fascination with, uh, with um, sort of playing with the idea of my background and, and am I a man or a woman or, a, um, you know, where do I come from, etc., which was mm-hmm. something that because of my background, a lot of uh, my professors, a lot of my um, tutors always ask me why I don't do something that's a bit more sort of related to my background, which I always found a very absurd question. <laughs> Yes, um, I because you you're Iranian and German, is that yes, is that right? Your yeah. background and yeah. that and that had a massive kind of um, for you. It sort of followed you, didn't it? Really, like um, I remember you explaining yeah. to me. So yeah, yeah, let's talk a bit about that because you choose to sort of distance yourself from mm. your identity in some mm. ways. I hope that I'm sort of paraphrasing that correctly, mm. uh, which is really really interesting. And I and I suppose color really plays an important role in that too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'd love you. I'd love you to talk uh, unpack that a bit more because yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, well, yeah, as I was saying, you know, it's. Um, it was always a question that sort of bothered me on multiple um, levels because, um, you know, just because I have a certain background, uh, why is it sort of expected for me to um, to do a certain type of art? Which I, I don't even know what that really means, to be honest with you. I can't mm. even really unpack what that request, where that request came from. But it sort of followed me around all the time, and and I've and I the more I was asked that, the more I wanted to sort of take away information, re- reduce any kind of information that's present in my work that sort of clearly screams about my my background, and at the 
the same time, obviously, whatever I do is very much informed by that. I think the choice of color and geometry and, and sort of lines and um, um, that, that are very much present in my work, these are all sort of um, elements of, of my identity, of my background, but I never wanted it to be sort of like a very in-your-face uh, statement. Um, um, and I'd much rather sort of um, take away that information and uh, sort of have the, 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 the viewers um, sort of, you know, be a bit probably as you mentioned earlier with with the you know me being a man or a woman etc mm. i think that that kind of playfulness and dichotomy is much more interesting for me than than sort of clarifying and um you know uh, explaining everything to death about <laughs> about my work yeah absolutely yeah. well said and i think as well as so you, you you know you t- your work is um uh, y- based on sort of principles of geometry as well. Mm, mm. Um, and as well as that, you sort of favour um, more simplicity, I think, as well. Is, mm. is that a way to sort of distance yourself again from your identity? Mm. Um, what What's kind of the thinking behind that? And how does colour also tie into that too? Mm. Uh, well, you know... Um I think um, you're absolutely right. One of the one of the reasons was sort of to take away from this sort of gaze and orientalism about my my background that was very much asked for, uh, from me was to sort of take refuge in sort of these geometrical patterns and 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 mm. um, and the use of color as material and uh, and I think um, it is definitely something that um, interests me. It, in a way that if you look at for example the um when, when you talk about simplicity if you th- uh, if you look at um art in the 60s minimalism the concept of minimalism in the 60s um and how people sort of um artists because of um uh, an abundance of, of of freedom and, and sort of trying to break the mold people sort of um took took away information from their work it became very sort of reduced mm. very a very sort of minimal language and if you look at the same time if you look at the sort of islamic art um in the middle east um throughout the sort of middle ages up until now um, because of a, um, a sort of prohibition of depiction of holy figures um, all the artists sort of um, or the lack of freedom basically exactly the opposite of what was the case in the 60s and mm. um, because of all these sort of uh, restrictions um, artists had to um, sort of express their creativity through geometry through color mm. and I think that's a, a very interesting idea for me to have all the freedom that you want um, leading you into sort of the idea of reductive art and minimalism, and then having um, no sort of freedom on the other on the other end, and sort of um, again seeking refuge in in that sort of geometrical language. And I think that was that was also something that really has informed my my practice, and I'm very interested in. That's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing you talk about it, it makes perfect sense because there is a sort of an, uh, a neutrality to those elements of geometry and colour. Um, and that's why I'm surprised that people have assumed your gender based on your work because, mm. um, you know, colour and form and line and geometry it's sort of genderless isn't it really we're not you're not painting you're not you're not a man painting a woman or yeah. a woman painting a woman you, you're sort of you're really deconstructing it and just looking at the bare bones of, of what of what creativity is well which absolutely is but it's but it's funny it was it wasn't only um sort of um uh, giving this assumption to people that uh, about being a man or a woman i i also was once um sort of introduced as a brazilian artist um i have no yes, connections to brazil whatsoever but <laughs> i mean that's not funny i don't know i'm laughing that's <laughs> awful um but basically yeah. i i I had insisted that um, you know usually when you have um, any sort of exhibition, there's there's the sort of labels with your name and t- 
title of the work and where mm. the artist comes from. So I insisted on not having anything uh, or any indication of my background. So sure. um, I think the person, the curator who was um, doing this, they just sort of looked at my work and because it's got lots of sort of um, bright and pastel colors, etc. And they just decided that it looks very tropical, probably. I don't know. They, they I just mean, um, that yeah. is quite outrageous. <laughs> so, so yeah, all of a sudden I was a Brazilian artist, which actually, again, a female really, Brazilian artist, a female Brazilian artist. It really feeds <laughs> wow. into that sort of playfulness of of me sort of um, um, taking on different characters yeah. and different different identities on a daily basis. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. God, that is just quite outrageous. Um, my next question, which, you know, we've kind of answered a little bit, but would you say there is any sort of political, you know, edge to your work or, you know, I'll let you kind of, I have I have my own sort of theory on that, mm. but, but yeah, I'll let you say. Um, well, I think that the fact that I um, take anything sort of, or, or any obvious sort of um, 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 hints of sort of political or sociopolitical um, themes in my work, that's a very sort of um, active political decision in my work. And I think that in itself is a very political, it's a sort of a, it's a big political statement. Mm. Um, and um, I think, um, you know, especially if you think about um, the extremes that we have nowadays uh, with the sort of the, the extremes of politics on the one hand, people sort of are um, being encouraged to to celebrate their identity and sort of um, accept themselves for who they are and love them themselves. And, and on the other hand, you have sort of um, um, the idea of, of certain countries being called, um, I don't know if I can say that on radio, but essay S-H-I-T holes and... Yep, glad you didn't say that on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good so, job for self-censoring. You know, so, so I, think, I think there's a lot yeah. of sort of um, extremes at the moment in our political um, and, and sort of in our society in general. So mm -hmm. I think the, the fact that I... It's refreshing to me to sort of step away from all of that, um, have sort of like a very... Um, 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 sort of um, different and fr fresh approach to to all these mm. political subjects, and and yeah. take away information rather than adding to this noise that exists. So yes. um, I think that for me is a very um, um, sort of a political decision that I've purposely mm. taken in my work in that sense. Absolutely, there's definitely power in simplicity, especially mm. as we are being completely bombarded and overwhelmed by mm. information at all times. Yes. So <laughs> one question I want to ask you is, so you've got a project in mind, you're about to start, you may have been commissioned, for mm. example, or uh, there's something that you know you personally want to create. How do you start with that process? How do you choose your colours? How does it all, how does it all come together? Uh, well, again, I think um, um, a lot of well, my process is usually I, I, I love going around for walks, especially sort of after midnight when it's completely, you know, all streets, all, all, all the cities completely empty and quiet. So I just go out, go out on these walks. Uh, In London, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as, as, mu as much as I can. You, you uh, actually have some sort of space to walk. I know. Yeah, it's exactly. amazing. Well, well, um, yeah, yeah. Th these sort of sites that I'm interested in, they're usually very quiet and, and sort of uh, deserted anyway. Sure, sure. Um, I go out on walks I, I sort of study these these um, um, sites these sort of industrial sites uh, landscapes etc um, and uh, I think um, I used to always carry a sketchbook with me um, before but recently I'd say probably unfortunately I have um, sort of grown out of that habit so um, when I come back when I go back into my studio I just sort of um, use the canvas as kind of like a sketchbook in a way mm. so I sort of start um, creating sort of these colors that were inspired by by things that I see and um, and uh, I sort of um, add layer on layer on layer on layer and, and it sort of becomes again as I mentioned earlier on it becomes sort of the um, um, takes over the character of a material on 
on itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I think my work is actually never finished until I go into a space and set up the work, in, which is very difficult when you have uh, commissions or when you when you're sort of going into exhibitions or you know you apply for something. It's very difficult for me to explain exactly what the work looks like. I yeah. always get you know called back. You have to experience backs. it exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 I get callbacks and they want clarification and I always have to sort of make sure that people understand that this is not the final project. So until I'm in that space, mm. until the very last minute, I I can never be 100% sure if the work is completed or not and even after that you know there's always sort of hundreds of different variations of what I can do with that sounds a bit stressful (laughs) it is very stressful I think that the last project I had um uh, well, one of the last ones uh, was in December in in uh, Royal Scottish Academy in Edinburgh and uh, the uh, the idea of sort of um taking about 15 to 20 paintings with me and uh, and I always have to be present because I obviously set up the whole thing within the space and uh, and then sort of buying the wood beams in Edinburgh carrying them over with Uber to to into the RSA that's the the, the thing when it comes together all in one go and and at once that and wherever the location is of course so that's god that's tricky sorry yeah (laughs) I'm just thinking um, about the legwork of that yeah it's 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 that it's those moments that I just wish that um I was um you know just just sticking to to want like you know I don't know painting or, <laughs> here's my or one a painting I did this, this is, yeah, yeah exactly here's my portfolio for sure so, yeah, absolutely yeah. but no, it's, it's a great challenge I, I you know mm. it's part of the, the, the game I guess yeah absolutely <laughs> I think I've come to appreciate much more um, immersive artwork or um, you know, in- installations um, and that is partly to do with my visit to Japan which mm. we're going to talk about a little bit in a second mm-hmm. um, but one question I want to ask as well is what do you hope your audience will take away from, from your work from seeing these sort of very simple elements come together in, in this really unique way uh, well I think um, I didn't really probably a couple if you have if you had asked me this question a couple of years ago I wouldn't really know what I want the audience to take away but mm. I, I, it was very much about as I said sort of taking away information rather than giving them information uh, for me it was more interesting to see what the audience thinks about my work and I think over the years the sort of um, uh, the, the biggest feedback that I've had from from people who see my work is that there's sort of a sense of uh, calmness and a sort of sense of sort of um, um, ease that they they get from viewing my work, which is quite interesting because my my mind is definitely not at ease, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like so many yeah. things sort of going on uh, uh, because probably I don't process them uh, in in that sense mm. uh, in a very obvious sense in my work. But I think I'm quite I've learned to be quite happy about the the this sort of sense of ease and calmness and sort of. Uh, sense of being in a very sort of quiet space mm-hmm. and I think that probably at the end of the day that is sort of my uh, uh, a reflection of on my background that um, I sort of take away that information and create that sort of mm-hmm. um, um, uh, calm space to to have a dialogue and I think that's um, that's probably the, the biggest um, uh, kind of reaction that I've had from audiences. So enticing. I love it. I want to go see your work immediately after this <laughs> TV. Um, all right. Well, you touched upon Japan for a second and I am a huge fan of Japan. Uh, anyone that wants to talk to me about Japan, see me after the show. We'll talk about it for hours. Um, tell me what you're doing at the moment because you've got an exciting project coming up, haven't you? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going on an art residency in Japan um, in April. Um, hopefully, if, if yeah. things you know, you know, calm oh, down. Hopefully the old with coronavirus the, is interrupting quite a lot of... Uh, 
these lives. World plans. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. without being just selfish about you know my own project, I'm hoping that it sure. goes away as soon as possible. So if uh, yeah. everybody's safe and I can get, uh, I can you know. Yeah, get you're to allowed. Japan. To, you're allowed to have an element of, yeah. of self, um, yeah. <laughs> especially with this big project. But. Yeah, yeah. So, so providing um, it goes well, what's mm. the plan? So um, the plan is to go um, to Japan to, into a studio space that um, is being provided for me, and uh, I really wanted to um, experience. Or sort of maybe study and um, um, sort of take apart the the performance performative aspects of of my of my uh, practice, mm. which I think as much as I sort of want to take myself away from it, it's the sort of first time that I'm starting to um, to feel that um, there's this sort of whole new. Um, area that I want to to focus on or to discover about my practice, um, mm. the, the 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 fact that I you know within my previous um, projects that I had to sort of carry these wood beams, it, it sort of gave me this idea, or or, or it sort of became um, a performance in itself for me to to carry the wood beam th- from a shop through the tube and and on the streets and mm. walk with them. So I I kind of liked the idea of, of taking these lines yeah. or wood beams or color as a material, you know, take them mm-hmm. on on walks with me. Um, so this project in Japan is actually leans itself very well into into this idea that I have and I want to sort of um, as I said you know study the the performance aspect of my work um, I'll be on, in residency for um, for about a month mm. and uh, I think this is a sort of same focus of this residency uh, because in a way it's very sort of freeing to go there without any mat- any sort of materials that I oh absolutely and let, the, and, let and, and let yourself be simulated by what Japan has to offer which is a lot exactly um, yeah. all right so my final question is where can listeners go to find out more about you and your work work do you have a website instagram i do both um unfortunately i have (laughs) (laughs) my website is basically my first name uh, and my last name dot com which is k-a-v-e-h O dot com and my instagram is also um uh, at carve osia um and if you just google um carve osia or aaron carve osia i think there's it's it's a weird name so there's it's it's one of a kind so you'll find it's not a winner it's a fantastic name and it's different (laughs) unique which is exactly what you need for your work so um fantastic thank you so much aaron carve for talking to me today this has been a real pleasure thank you it's my pleasure to talk to you and you should definitely go and see his work definitely visit his website as well because you'll be able to see exactly what it is that we have been talking about this afternoon because it's a visual as i said this is an audio medium you want to see it in real life and uh you know you can see it on your screen as well there we go so that is all we've got time for this afternoon thank you very much for listening to art then and now with me anna gammons to contact the show please visit anna gammons art on instagram where you can send me a message there will also be sneaky peeks into what's to come and we'll be here next week same time same place 3 30 on resonance 104.4 fm thanks for listening goodbye